Hello and welcome to the NBA Next podcast presented by Spotrek. I am Scott Allen and I'm joined by Keith Smith. We are here to talk about what is next financially in the NBA. Keith, we've got the gambit today. We've got trade talk, extension talk, no shows, some roster questions, and then a, a, quick, a quick exhibit nine and 10 uh, bullet points with all the training camp rosters uh, being added and reduced here on the fly. Uh, but we are going to start with the Lillard holiday fallout. We had a Damian Lillard trade after we recorded last week. And then Drew Holiday was flipped from Portland to Boston. I am not going to do a deep dive with you on all the mechanics of those trades because you did some awesome articles and people can go. I would advise you to go read the deep dives. As uh, Mike has said, you don't do grades, you do novels. And, uh, <laughs> but it, it is in depth as you can get, which is awesome. Where I want to go with this is more of – what do the other teams in the East and the West need to do now? So let, let's start with the uh, real quick hits that you want to do based off of the two trades that happened first, and then we'll dive into what the other teams need to. So real quick hits on the Lillard trade that started everything and then the holiday trade. Yeah, I think the quick version is fascinating, you know, superstar trade right before uh, the start of training camp. And then another, I, I don't want to call Drew Holiday a superstar, but another all-star level guy traded, uh, you know, on the heels of that, you know, literally on the eve of training camp. And we're in a spot where, you know, the NBA offseason doesn't really end anymore, I guess. It seems like it's going to, you know, these things may drag on longer and longer. I think one thing that was very interesting, and it's been suggested by many, is Portland tried to take a little bit of the power back from the player here and say, hey, we're, we're going to work with you. We're going to get you traded, but it's not just going to be where you want to go because you want to go there. And and I think for the Trailblazers, they, they you know, drew a little bit of a line in the sand and said, that's going to be how it is. And ultimately I think they did quite well for themselves in the initial trade. And then with the follow-up trade uh, for Drew holiday, they added even more uh, talent and a couple more draft picks. And we'll see if there's another one with Malcolm Brogdon, just, you know, kind of a funny aside. I, I kind of like the idea of Portland continually trading you know, like guards for one slightly lesser guard in a trade. And maybe this continues all the way through the trade deadline, just because I think it would be funny. Um, but I think we're, we're in a spot where Portland did well. And, you know, now they're, uh, they're positioned to do what they need to do. And, and so are the other teams that they traded with. I like that Portland held firm all through the summer when everyone else was saying, just get the trade done and deadlines spur action. And they waited and the deadline was coming up with spring uh, uh, training camp and more teams jumped into the fold. And I give kudos to Portland for waiting because they got a uh, potentially better, uh, better pieces assets than they would have if they would have pulled this back in July. Completely agree. Yeah. The, the only way they were going to come out better was if there was some kind of three or more team trade that had been put together and, you know, just Miami just didn't have the pieces to match what they got from both Milwaukee and from, from Boston, as you kind of, you, you have to really chain these two trades together. Cause it really is almost like uh, one big transaction, even if it was separate deals, but 
Yeah, and then you know, coming away with a guy like DeAndre Ayton, uh, now Robert Williams, that was a spot where they didn't really have anybody uh, that that you could point to on the roster and say, all right, that guy could be a long term fit here. They they had that at other positions, but the center spot wasn't one of them. And now they've got two uh, with Ayton and Williams. They're they're talking about those two guys playing together. I'll believe it when I see it. I guess if you're a bad team, you can experiment with stuff like that and maybe kind of go. But I, I like the idea that, you know, they, they've also said, maybe we'll keep Malcolm Brogdon around. We think he can be you know, good for this young team. So if you have guys like Brogdon there uh, to help the young guys around, Jeremy Grant's still around. And then you have Rob Williams, Matisse Thibel, a couple defenders who can help uh, this team, you know, especially, you know, some of their younger guards don't project to be really uh, good NBA defenders. So that I, I think Portland's re- really interesting. I, as I've been telling everybody, this East Coast resident will certainly be uh, staying up late to watch the Trailblazers plenty uh, this season on League Pass. So the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics both have the same exact odds for the NBA Finals at plus 380 what other what do other teams in the east need to do now to you know compete with those two juggernauts yeah it's a good question because i'm not i'm not sure there's a real clear answer to it i I think if you're like cleveland in new york you just kind of stay the course right just just you, you you've built your teams you've been pretty patient in the way you've built these teams uh both both sides added some players uh whether it be back to the trade deadline last year or you know through the offseason this summer they really kind of round out their rotations much better and i think they're in a spot where they can be there philadelphia that that's just a circus because we don't know what's going to happen with James Harden. He you know, didn't go to media day. I know we're going to spend a lot of time on him uh, here in a couple minutes, but it, it's something where we don't know what's going to happen with that situation. And they may kind of take this as, you know, could be approached like a little bit of a gap year almost where it's like, Hey, we're still going to be good. Is it, you know, as barring disastrous injuries, they'll still be a playoff team, but they're not going to be on the level of Boston or Milwaukee. And then if you're Miami, I think now you just kind of circle the wagons and you say, all right, we're the Miami heat. Everybody counts us out, you know, most years anyway. And then we, we just kind of do what we do and we, we keep going forward. And I think if you're Miami too, the other thing you'll point to is, Hey, we're going to have better health. Tyler hero will be around. If we don't lose him, we've got some young guys we like, and we all know they're going to develop one or two players that kind of come out of nowhere and are playing your know, major rotation roles by you know, the time Christmas rolls around. So I, I think, you know, Miami just basically, you know, just keep doing what you do and just kind of roll forward with your guys and feel like there, you know, Hey, when all is said and done, we'll, we'll still be a factor and maybe there's still a you know move to be made in there, but we'll find out. But for now, I, I think, you know, it, it's Boston Milwaukee's conference to lose. And it's, you know, you kind of look at it and say, you know, all right, you know, the Bucks maybe stepped ahead of the Celtics when they got Lillard. Did the Celtics step back ahead of the Bucks when they got Drew Holiday? I think they really match up. They're you know, very interesting against each other. So that those will be must-watch regular season games. And hopefully we get a classic series like what we got the last time these two met in the playoffs. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if both those teams can stay healthy for the mm-hmm. for the bulk of the regular season because you know, for the most part, the rest of the teams are going to be vying for two through play in tournament and you know which teams aren't going to be reactionary you know who's going to stay pat on their internal uh, 
path that they want to go, like Orlando. You know, are they just going to go on and do what they're going to do? Yes, they may be on a fringe play-in at the at the time that we're getting close in March, April. But you know, which teams are going to really be pushing hard? More so, if Milwaukee and Boston does have some injuries and there is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, is it a Toronto an Atlanta, a New York? Do you think those are teams that they may make moves earlier in January than other teams if they do see a light opening up? I, I think they could. I, I I think it's more likely those teams, you know, they, they would have to be in the mix, right? Where it's maybe Boston gets off to a bumpy start, which I, think is very likely to happen. I, I always remind people the you know, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosch, Heat, more like something like 10 and 10 after 20 games or something like that. And it's just going to take a little bit of time. You know, the Celtics added Drew Holiday and Chris Saps Porzingis, both wonderfully talented players, but both guys have never been really less than the number two option on their team. And now one of them is going to be three and one of them is going to be four. So that's something you're really going to have to see get kind of sorted um, in Boston. It's just going to take a little bit. It'll be fine eventually, but maybe they get off to a little bit of a rough start. As you said, you know, Milwaukee's depth is it's somewhat questionable after their top, you know, five, six guys, much like Boston. So if they have an injury, so yeah, if you're New York or you're Cleveland and you're, you know, in the mix, let's say Philly plays better or they, they make a hardened trade that really delivers some stuff to them that they need. Yeah. You could see, I think those teams, get in a position where it's like, all right, Hey, we're here. You know, these guys aren't, you know, we're, we're not just going to write them in pen at the top of the conference. Let's make a move, but that's going to probably be, you know, January, February kind of thing when everything frees up. I don't outside of the potential Harden trade. I don't, I think these, these teams are basically saying we got what we got. This is our roster. Let's move forward with this to start the year. So let's flip to the West then. Portland is, in, and I have in quotes, resetting because they're sort of resetting on the fly here. <laughs> they really haven't pulled the Band-Aid completely off with the pieces that they were able to bring back. Phoenix, in quotes again, has depth for right now. I mean, some of those pieces may be flipped. I mean, from everyone I've listened, I've heard, you know, the good and the bad of the pieces that Phoenix has brought in. Uh, so what do teams need to do in the West now that Willard is no longer in Portland? That's one less team that really is going to be buying for uh, a play-in or even a, a playoff spot right now. Yeah, I feel super confident in saying Portland, uh, San Antonio, and probably Houston. We'll see. Houston's adding Reggie Bullock, and they're obviously committed to trying to be a good team. But I think I feel pretty good about saying those three teams are not going to be in the playoff picture. And then, but the other twelve teams, you can reasonably convince me on just about any order. Uh, and I'm not going to argue with you too much on that outside. If you get silly and said like Denver's not even going to make the play. And then I'd be like, all right, what are we doing here? But the, the West is loaded. So none of the Western conference teams are really worried about Portland at this point. I'm fairly certain they're going to look at it and say, man, I don't know if, you know, how much defense they're going to play. They're going to be very young. Their motivations are just very different. So I think it's going to be, you know, kind of write them off a little bit, but Phoenix for sure. They, they were, you know, 
uh, considered the favorite by many to come out of the West already. Uh, I think this trade makes them different. I don't know how much this trade actually improves them because Yusuf Nurkic is, he's a better offensive player than he is a defensive player, but how much more offense do you need when you already have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker and Bradley Beal? Like I, I don't know that you really needed to go heavier into offense. It's not like all of a sudden they're going to score 150 points per game. Like it's, you know, so that, that part's a, a little strange. He'll, you know, space the floor a little bit. He's a good passer. He's a good screener. So gives you something a little bit different. Their big thing is going to be, are they going to play enough defense night to night? Or is it just every game's going to be a shootout? And then their depth is not bad, but I think their depth is a little awkward where you know now it's they've got a kind of a lot of shooting guards they've got a lot of combo forwards kind of around that 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 big three uh grouping and durant booker and beal they've got a couple centers and i really like drew eubanks uh, and chumezi metu as depth behind nurkic so i think that'll be okay but that it just feels like that's a roster that may not be done and what this trade did for the Suns, which I think is maybe a little scary uh, to the rest of the league, is they broke Aiton's big 30 plus million dollar contract up into three much more tradable uh, deals in, in Nurkic, Allen, and Little. And this is the last year for them because they they look like they're going to be a super tax team uh, for the next several seasons. This is the last year that they can aggregate salaries together in a trade. So I would expect to see some form of uh, trade down the line where they put a couple of those salaries together and go get whatever it is they think they need as the playoffs are approaching. But Phoenix, it, it most had them at the top of the conference or right behind Denver anyway. And I, I think that's exactly where they still sit today. If we took Phoenix, say they have crazy injuries, which I wouldn't put it past them with some of the players that they have on that team right now, mm-hmm. and, and and we take Denver out just for hypothetical purposes, what other team do you think could win the West potentially right now? Yeah, I think the Lakers have a shot. You know, they they've got their own kind of health things that they gotta you know, work through. We've also got to see are they gonna really commit to playing Anthony Davis at the five full time. That still seems to be a little bit of an open-ended question. So we'll see. I think golden state is going to be in the mix. They're going to be missing Draymond green. It looks like to start the year. Uh, He's got a, it sounds like a pretty bad ankle sprain. Uh, So we'll see what that looks like. The Clippers, I, man, Scott, I should quit them, but I can't like, Mm -hmm. I just, I just look at the talent and I'm like, it's, it's too hard to walk away from this team. You could be very, very good. Uh, And it sounds like they feel, you know, whether it's the new resting policies or just, they we've, we've done it this way and it hasn't worked, but it sounds like they're going to play their guys more minutes uh, this coming year. And then if the Grizzlies can just stay afloat, uh, while John Morant is out for those first 25 games, you'll know, stay, you'll be 14 and 11 or something like that, if not better. Uh, I think, you know, when they get him back, the the, the future is extremely bright uh, for them. Yeah, it, now I'm to the point where I'm naming every team in the conference. I, I don't think Minnesota will win the conference, but I think they'll be an interesting and a better team uh, this year, provided they stay healthy. So that, but that just gives you a sense of just how deep this Western conference is. Cause there's a bunch of, you know, fun teams in that mix that, that I didn't mention because I don't think they'll win the conference, but OKC, Utah, New Orleans, Dallas, you know, Sacramento, good, fun teams that are going to be, be, you know, battling for playoff spots, but, you know, probably, probably, you know, a tier two, three down from the top. 
Two, two teams that I was going to mention that you mentioned is the fun part. Oklahoma City Thunder, Sacramento Kings. I mean, they there were rumors that maybe they were potentially for Drew Holiday. Were they just okay with the roster that they have and they didn't want to uh, shake it up too much going into this season? Yeah, I think I'll did, yes, but for slightly different reasons. I think the Thunder are being continuing to be very patient and feel this is not the time to make not that that would have been an all-in move for them because they certainly would have still had plenty of assets left uh you know coming their way but I think they are very focused on all right let's see what it looks like with Chad Holmgren in the mix we've got him back on the floor now he's going to be ready to go from day one let's really get this going around Shea Gilgis Alexander I think Jalen Williams the 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 wing Jalen Williams the smaller one is going to be you know just I I wouldn't be surprised if this guy's knocking on an all-star team uh within the next year or two you still got Josh Giddy. you've you've got you know bunch of interesting depth pieces and they still have all that flexibility and all those draft picks moving forward so i think for them it's more hey our, our time's gonna come this year's probably about all right let's not be messing around the plan let's try to get into the top six let's see if we can be in that mix instead of you know you know having to go through the playing tournament and we'll go from there with the kings i think for the kings i don't know that a drew holiday trade made a ton of sense for them because Drew Holiday is very, very good, but Sacramento would have had to give up a lot of their depth, and that's kind of what makes them a little special compared to some of these other teams. So I think we're in a spot with the Kings where I feel like, nah, just keep moving with, with what you have. You're, 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 you're already, you know, a really good team, and and you you don't necessarily need to pull away from what made you a good team just to add you know, another guy. It, it just doesn't seem like the right time for a shakeup for them. So I'm kind of glad they're just, you know, saying, hey, we're going to run it back. Our top, you know, six, seven guys are all returning. We're adding uh, Sasha Vezenkov to, to the mix. You know, I, I think they feel really good about what they've got there in Sacramento. And I think they're they're motivated to prove, hey, we weren't a one-year wonder. Like, we're going to be a good team again. Then, you know, well, we're not going away. And I, and I think that's something to that when, when you just kind of say, hey, let's run that back with a little bit of that chip on their shoulder because I think as most people look at it, they're like, okay, well, we got to push, you know, the Lakers up. We got to push the Warriors up, you know, higher in the standing. So I think the logical place where he says, all right, we'll just drop Sacramento down and out. And I don't know that that's going to be how it plays out. I think Oklahoma City Thunder is going to be the team that they're hitting a year earlier than most teams are anticipating. Like you just said, maybe they're going to play it slow and see how things go. And next year might be the year. I think this year, if everything hits right and some of these teams do have injury bugs uh, earlier or mid season, that could be the team that all of a sudden we're looking at the standings and they're in the top three, Mm -hmm. Uh, similar to where, you know, Sacramento, uh, Memphis, uh, what was the other team? Uh, New Orleans last year. All three of those teams we saw at some point in the top four, and some of us were scratching head like, oh, wow, look at this, and then there were injuries. I think Oklahoma City could be that team that uh, has some eyeballs with, like you said, it's a stacked West, but if the dominoes fall correctly, we could see the Thunder in the top three. Yeah, I I would not be surprised, especially, you know, a lot of those other teams have questions, right? They're they're either older, they have injury questions, Memphis has to work around Morant's suspension, New Orleans, it's, you know, they are 100% the I'll believe it when I see it team of, you know, get your guys on the floor and 
prove it for the next, you know, uh, you know, three, four months, and then I'll fully buy in. But yeah, it's it's you. I definitely see a world where Oklahoma City, you know, just improvement of young players. It is funny. I I do caution though. I think some people think like this is linear, like with the improvement of young players and it doesn't always work that way right it's not always that upward you know trajectory sometimes you do plateau and level and then you you know then then you take another jump and and come up so i just you know i I don't want people to get like to a point where they feel like man the thunder just you know they they aren't what i thought they were going to be um you know, and, and then feel like they're kind of out on them because that's just kind of how it goes sometimes with young teams. But yeah, they're, they're just so loaded with talent, flexibility, and the ability to kind of do whatever they need to do around the guys that they think are going to be their long-term pieces that I'm, I'm super excited, you know, and Chad Holmgren again, you know, let's see what he looks like with, with this team. I think it's going to be really, really good. And I'm, you know, excited to watch it in action. Staying in the West, we had an extension, rookie extension yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Devin Vassell, five years, maximum of $146 million. And uh, it looks like from the reports, $135 million guaranteed. So guaranteed is about $27 million AAV. You had guessed five for 110, I believe. So I think it was uh, 115, but 115? what's five million between the friends? <laughs> so, I, I mean, if you're going with five for 115 guaranteed, then you were relatively close. Are you surprised with what uh, the Spurs did here? Uh, is it a good value? What is your take on this extension? Yeah, I, I'm not surprised because I think they want to. I think the Spurs are now with Victor Wembanyama in the fold. They're starting to move towards a, all right, we've done the rebuild thing a little bit. Let's start making sure some of the guys we got through that process are going to be here. Let's really try to kind of keep, um, you know, some guys in the fold. They did that with Kelton Johnson on a very fair contract, and I know some people are probably looking at this and saying, "Man, almost." 30 million a year for Devin Vassell. Like where, what has happened to these contracts? And there's some fairness to that. I mean, last season he only played in 38 games. So there is a question there, but I think what the Spurs are banking on is, all right, he didn't play a ton last year, but some of that was quite frankly, self-induced by the Spurs. They, they weren't always trying to win the most games. And my guess is they're looking at and saying as a rookie, he was flashed showed a ton of promise, but super inconsistent as a sophomore, really improved, started to improve his efficiency, started to show a little bit more as a defender, a little bit more playmaking chops, just kind of rounded out his game. And then last year in the games he did play, you know, became a fairly efficient scorer, um, needs to get to the free throw line a little bit more, but upped his assists up to 3.6 per game, remains a pretty solid defender out on the wing. He's a pretty good rebounder and can really score the ball. And my guess is they're looking at it and saying, man, this is a guy who fits with Victor Wembanyama, no matter what the rest of our roster becomes. So let's get him locked up and let's get him signed. And the reality is a contract that is an AAV guaranteed of $27 million a year that's well below where the max is going, even the you know 25% max. So well done by San Antonio. They, they did you know pretty good with this. The only slight surprise I had is this does replace his cap hold uh, for next year. So they, they are going to go ahead and sacrifice a little bit of cap space. But I think the Spurs are smart enough to know uh, we're probably not major cap space player or free agent players anyway. Next season and the free agent class is a little 
you know, it's not great. It'll probably become less great as other extensions and the like happen. So I think if you're the Spurs, you're kind of probably looking at it and saying, you know what, we're okay with giving up, you know, five, six million in cap space uh, for next season because but now we got the guy and we have him locked in long term. Do you anticipate any more extensions this week from rookies? I think we might get one, one or two um, that that happen here. I think um, you know we're kind of in the spot where now the the max guys they get taken care of right right out of the gate. And now I think what it is is you know maybe a couple guys come back and show the team, hey, this is you know what I did over the summer, and the team's a little more in than they might have been otherwise. I think we're in a spot where like a guy like Obi Toppin, for example, maybe the Pacers get him on the floor with their guys and like, yep. He fits perfect. We want him, you know, and that that locks up an extension for a guy like him. I, I think you could still see Patrick Williams in the Bulls re- reach an extension, unless the Bulls are like, uh, let's let this kind of play out. And then I think, you know, on the Hawks side, they've got guys like Anyeka Kongwu and um, Sadiq Bay, and that's probably much more of a conversation around, or what what do we want to? be like 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 what what are we doing how much more money can we commit because they already have a lot of long-term money committed do they do they have another move plan that will clear things up a little bit and then the last guy that i a hundred percent expect should get extended is Jaden mcdaniels of the timberwolves they, they they have to get him you know signed and locked up because letting that get to free agency you're running the risk of you may end up paying you know potentially even near max for him if he has another great season like he had last year you're 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 kind of playing with fire so if you can get him for below max now you probably want to get that done and Emmanuel quickly is another guy I would keep an eye on too just because the Knicks have preferred um generally to um of recent ilk try to do what they can you know rj barrett was kept they they did uh julius randall uh kept him around so so under this front office it seems to be talent retention seems to be a thing so maybe we get, get an extension done for quickly but that may be one where the knicks say hey let's let this play out and see see you know what the season looks like and we'll go from there yesterday was media day and james harden was a no-show <laughs> And there's some financials that could hit him depending on if he actually shows up or not. So with the preseason and regular season games, if he does not show, what are we talking about financially? Because it's not like he's being suspended. He is just choosing not to show up. Yeah. So what happens is the the league has kind of different things right um where where there's different actions teams can take teams can begin fining a player um for you know missing obligations presumably he'll be fined for missing media day um but the big thing that we're, we're we're talking about here is the withholding services so this is essentially the clause in the cba that says players can't hold out and if they do they can't hold out long term now if he misses games um, what they, they, they can do, they can find him a chunk of his, uh, uh, per game salary. Um, the, the formula is a little bit complicated. It's not quite, you know, one out of 82. Um, that's not really how it works out, but what they do is it ends up being just shy of 400,000. It's about $389,000 per game. 
that the 76ers can fine him for. They can also fine him for missing practices. And if we go back just a couple of years ago, that's exactly what happened with Ben Simmons. He started racking up fines and then he started racking up fines for missing games and the like. So we'll see, you know, they're, they're due to I believe the team uh, flew off to Colorado state for whatever reason they're having training camp in Colorado. Um, but they, they, they're all there. It sounds like I, believe their first practice is scheduled for today and today kind of starts the clock in a slightly different way because it's believed this is when the 30 days will start um uh, for Harden now that 30-day clock and why that 30-day clock is important is if he just no-shows for 30 days or more um then the 76ers um can say he did not uh, successfully complete his contract that doesn't mean that he stays under contract to them, but he would not become a free agent. He, he would be, um, you know, basically still uh, beholden to the Sixers and what they want to do unless the Sixers said, you know, we're done with this. Go away. We're, we're finished. Your contract's over. We're, we're you know, we don't, we, we, we're just washing our hands of it. That becomes a different thing because then they've given him permission. But for now, it gets really messy. And the important thing to note is, that uh, ability to sign with another team, it's any other professional basketball team. It is not, you know, another NBA team. Uh, Cause I've seen people say, well, he could go make, he could go play in China and make, you know, you know, millions of dollars over there. He's very popular in China, but FIBA wouldn't give him the letter of clearance needed because they would say, no, he didn't complete his contract with the, uh, the 76ers, he needs to resolve that first before he can sign anywhere else. And the reality is James Harden's not signing outside of the NBA anytime soon. So hypothetically, if he goes past the 30 days with the 76ers and then is traded at the trade deadline or midseason, can, is that free agency uh, in, endangerment still apply to that new team? Or does it just go away because he's now on a new team? I believe it resets if he joins a new team. I I, I I would have to confirm that for certain. And my guess is that'd probably be a, a uh, sticking point where, um, you know, many uh, players would be, um, there are many teams and players and agents and the PA and everybody would be very interested for it. Hey, let's have a real conversation about this because I think that becomes a slightly different thing here um, with, with that. So I think what happens in those situations is it would likely go into an arbitration because I, I don't know, let's just say the Clippers trade for him. And then the Clippers are like, yeah, but you didn't show up for Philly. So we're going to keep you. You can't be a free agent. We would have one heck of a fight on our hands. So presumably that wouldn't actually come into play, but it it is something that we would need clarity on. So if it does get to a point where, his free agency is in danger. His cap hold would stay with the 76ers and his options would be re-sign with them or Philadelphia would have to renounce that cap hold for him to sign with another team. Or is there another restriction still in play there that I'm not seeing? Yeah. As far as we understand, he would be uh, stuck with Philadelphia unless Philadelphia said, all right, we're fine. Go sign with whoever you want to sign with we're good. We're washing our hands of this. I think let's say we get there and this is ugly and there is no trade 
Um, that's very, very likely how it would play out is Philadelphia would say, all right, we're moving on now. We we're going to go have cap space and build around Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. And that's, that's our plan moving forward. And, you know, good luck to you and whatever you do next. And that's very, very likely where this would play out, but as it stands for now, yeah, I think we're in a spot where we see Philadelphia really just kind of, you know, uh, take this more day by day and see, and it's it's a challenge with James Harden. We've talked about it before, but it's worth repeating is they might prefer he doesn't show up because we've seen what happens when he shows up and doesn't want to be somewhere. It's a mess, right? He's not going to try. He's not going to you know, put in a lot of effort. It's going to be you know, bad. So I think we're in a spot where I think Philadelphia would, to some extent, yeah, what they would like most is he shows up, he gives effort, plays really hard, and they're a good team while they still try to work out a trade. Barring that extremely unlikely scenario, I think they would prefer, hey, just stay away. And maybe this becomes one of the things where it's almost a mutual agreement of stay away while we figure that out. And at that case, they're not going to start that clock or any of those things. They're, they're going to handle it in a slightly different way. But but we're going to find out. I mean, and we'll find out maybe as soon as today, you know, what this looks like if he's actually shown up in Colorado for training camp or not. Yeah, for a comp- comparison, $389,000 if he does not show with uh, withholding services there. If he was suspended by the league or the team, it would be about four, uh, $246,000 per game missed. So, uh we shall see from the financial side where that goes, like you said, and I thought of it immediately was the whole Ben Simmons situation yeah. and all the money that was racked up. And I mean, it was, he missed this meeting, he missed this practice, he missed this thing and it just totaled up and it, it was, uh, it was a cluster. So well, we shall see. We don't want to rule out fully. James Harden shows up today and says, I have a hamstring injury or my back <laughs> is bothering right? me or something like that. And, and I'm not trying to make light of Ben Simmons, because I, I think it is very clear now, Ben Simmons, not only was he still dealing with back issues, but he was going through, um, you know, something, you know, mental health wise that that was not good for him. But, you know, I, and I'm not saying James Harden's going to try to be shady about any of this, but he may, you know, he may pull that card of, hey, I'm not healthy enough to play. I'm, I'm here. I did what I had to do, but I can't be on the court. And again, I think that might be one more Philly's like, okay. You know, go get treatment, go work out on your own, you know, rehab and, you know, go. I, I just got to believe sometime in the next couple of weeks before we really get into the meat of the regular season, this will resolve itself. But at this point, the challenge has been there. The market hasn't been there uh, for James Harden. And that, that's a, that's a problem for, uh, for um, uh, Philadelphia because they're, you know, really sticking to, 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 you know, their demands of, Hey, we got to have salary cap relief. We got to have good players, you know, X, Y, and Z. So that that's made, made this tough, but I just, I, I don't know. I can't imagine anybody wants this situation being this messy and carrying into the regular season. Right. And, and teams are, they've seen this track record with him. So it's buyer beware at this point, you know what you're going to get if you bring him on. So it's, uh, you know, most teams uh, may be like, well, we know Philadelphia is has been a juggernaut. Let's let them deal with this in, on their own, and that's one less team that we need to deal with uh, during the season. So time will tell. Let's take a shift to your 
Southwest Division rotation and roster questions. You posted this last week, and we are going to just fly through these. We're going to focus on the, the one question, and if you're interested in going and reading them, if you have not done so, you can go read them on SpotTrack.com as Keith has been posting uh, the remainder of the divisions. Uh, we're going to start with Dallas Mavericks here. Your first question is, who are the non-Luka and non-Kyrie starters? Yeah, I think in Dallas we we can uh, pen, may, maybe even grab out the chisel and chisel in uh, Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving as starters. They're clearly going to be there. And then everything else seems at least to be somewhat up for grabs. My guess is Grant Williams starts at the four. They, they invested in him with the MLE through the sign and trade. So I think he'll be there. I think we're going to see Dwight Powell start at the five just they know what they have in him and he's really comfortable with Luca. Luca enjoys playing with him, but you know, Derek lively is going to come eventually. He's going to snatch that job. And in the interim, Rashawn Holmes uh, will probably get, you know, plenty of minutes. There's he's kind of their uh, a rehabilitation project, trying to get him back fully. And then the wing spot becomes interesting. Do they stick with Tim Hardaway jr? Didn't have a great year last year, but it has been good alongside Luca provide some of that off ball spacing. Where do you go with Josh green green shot it really, really well i think he probably if he's not starting he'll be the starter by christmas because they're going to want him in there doing uh you know kind of doing what he does uh defensively because he's the best perimeter defender the team has so it's it's going to be fun to kind of watch this team evolve over the next uh you know couple of months into what you know i I think they're hoping will be a very good team we forget because they missed the playoffs last year fairly intentionally um and they got dinged for that uh fairly heavily with a fine but they um they they missed the playoffs last year but two years ago they were in the west finals so you know this is still a team that's got quite a bit of talent and i think their additions this summer really make them a stronger team than they were a year ago who is going to be the backup point guard in houston yeah, this would have been Kevin Porter Jr. They they would have run a three-guard rotation of Fred Van Vliet, Kevin Porter Jr., and Jalen Green. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. is is no longer in the uh, the mix in Houston. Uh, they, they said at media day yesterday, he's been told not to even come around the team. Uh, very different from the John Morant situation. John Morant, we got clarity yesterday, will be allowed to practice with the team, will be allowed to travel with the team. Um, while he's on his suspension, I think uh, all parties involved there decided, hey, he's going to miss all these games, but let's not isolate him and cause him to maybe go down an even worse path than he's been. Let's try to kind of keep him around the team. Kevin Porter Jr., very different situation because he's in trouble for very different and, quite frankly, worse reasons. And and he is then told, go away. So now I think if you're Houston, you want Amon Thompson, uh, the rookie, to grab that role. Come in and be the backup for Fred Van Vliet. Uh, be that starting point guard. That's really been what he's done um, You know, through his uh, youth uh, career to this point. Is He's been an on-ball creator. So got great size. Should be an NBA-ready defender and passer right away. Big question is, is he going to shoot it well enough? 
but that's something Houston can figure out is this is still a step forward development year. If he can, Aaron Holiday will probably be in the mix. He, they added him uh, as a veteran guy, but I think he was really added to be the third uh, guard in, in this group or maybe even the fourth guard. So look for Thompson to grab that position and, and be there. Um, and this is you know going to be fun to monitor. They, they're they're an interesting mix of veteran players and some really really fun, uh, good young players. And I think we're going to see even if the Rockets aren't a good team this year, meaning you know maybe, maybe they only win thirty games or so, maybe thirty five on the high end. I think they're going to be a much better team uh, night to night, and we're not going to see you know some of the wild swings in production because those veterans will help the young kids along. Who starts in Memphis while Ja Morant is out? Yeah, this one is pretty easy that Marcus Smart's going to replace him um, as the point guard um, while he's out. But then who starts in the Dylan Brooks spot, which is where Smart will eventually transition over to? A lot of people, I think, think it'll be Luke Kennard, and maybe it will be. They've got enough defense to cover uh, for his limitations there. He's a really good shooter, um, so he'd give him another shooter on the floor to help really open things up for Desmond Bain, for Marcus Smart. Um, I think there's a chance it could be Zaire Williams. Uh, his the, uh, second season last year was just a complete lost year. He, he had injuries, never got healthy, um, was a mess. And by the end of his rookie year, he was starting to play a lot. He had actually started a handful of games. It was really starting to look like he was going to be a big part of the long-term future. So we'll see. I would th- I think that it's probably down to Zaire Williams and Luke Kennard. Uh, might be a couple other guys. I'll let you read the piece if you're interested to see where they go. And maybe Taylor Jenkins does some experimenting. Um, while Morant is out over the first third or so of the season to figure it out. But I, I it's probably down to Zaire Williams or Luke Kennard figuring it out uh, there who starts um, really in the Dylan Brooks spot because Smart will replace Morant for now. How does the wing rotation shake out in New Orleans? Oh, man, this is this is a mess. Um, you know, unfortunately for them, they're starting the, the offseason with guys already hurt. Again, Larry Nance is out. Uh to open the year, probably two to four uh, weeks for him. Jose Alvarado, out for them. And on the wing, Trey Murphy's going to miss a bunch of time as a torn meniscus. I don't think we've been given really a kind of definitive um, timeline there, but he's going to be out. So I feel pretty confident saying Brandon Ingram and Herb Jones are going to start. Those guys have generally been the starters, so they should be, be, be in there. But then it's behind them what happens. Troy Murphy, or excuse me, Trey Murphy. I do that all the time um, with, with, with that poor, poor guy. Trey Murphy would have been um, the number one wing. Now we're at a spot where Najee Marshall's probably going to play quite a bit. I think Dyson Daniels could could come in and play um, in an off-ball role. He's primarily been an on-ball guy. But do rookies Jordan Hawkins and EJ Liddell uh, factor in here that they they both showed showed moments in summer league? Uh, Liddell's back to being healthy again. He's more of a small four, but he could probably slide down to the wing if he's making jump shots. And then Hawkins, they're high on as a as a shooter but he's a rookie so he's gonna have to figure it out but that's that's gonna be something and again for this team what really matters zion williamson is fully ready to go to open the year and let's all you know knock on wood here and hope that that remains that way as we go but i think um we're in a position with with uh everything else in new orleans continues to be a little bit messy health wise and that's just not where you want to be as you're kicking off the year who is the fifth starter in san antonio 
Yeah, this one seems, I think, maybe a little more cut and dry than people realize because four guys are, are locked in. Victor Wambanyama, of course, is going to start. Devin Vassell, we talked about him and his new contract. He's going to start. Zach Collins is going to start at the five because they're committed. Wambanyama will be primarily a four on this team. And then Trey Jones is the only point guard on this roster, um, like pure point guard, so he's going to start at the point. Keldon Johnson is very likely to be the uh, the other starter at the um, forward spot because that's just who he's been uh, throughout the the uh, duration of his his career. But Jeremy Sohan's in the mix for sure. Sohan started a lot last year uh, when he played. I believe it was fifty three of the fifty six games he played. He started. He was a little up and down. He had a lot of injuries. He was in and out of lineup quite a bit. Um, if if he could shoot it consistently, he might overtake Keldon Johnson right now. But I think it'll probably be Keldon Johnson, and then Jeremy Soham will mix in off the bench. He, he's probably going to be treated almost like a six starter kind of guy. Where yeah, all right, let's get him in there and go go from there. Um, they clean things up a little bit with the waiver of Reggie Bullock uh, since the piece was written, so he's no longer in the mix. But but the, he, you know, Greg Popovich has you know options here. But my guess is Johnson probably gets the starting nod, and then if anybody is kind of out of the mix, Sohan probably steps in next. Atlantic Division was posted this morning. Please feel free to go read the Southwest and now the Atlantic Division and the remainder three divisions will be coming right behind those. To finish off, Keith, we've had a slew of additions and subtractions with rosters, exhibit nines and tens. I know in a couple weeks ago, we did a... uh, conversation with exhibit nine and 10 contracts. And now those are really coming to fruition here with all these signings. So I know you're going to be writing up a deep dive on how all of the exhibit nine and 10 contracts work. Can you give us a recap bullet point edition for us right now? Yeah, these um, contracts are to get all kind of used in similar terminology and quite often it's not really worth clarifying whether it's an exhibit nine, it's an exhibit 10 or it's a straight summer contract or, or whatever. So what happens in the NBA, they have these things called summer contracts. And the idea used to be was sign these guys, they come in, they're with you in the summer and then they're in there through, through the beginning part of training camp. And then if they get waived, they, they get waived. Then what happened was some of these guys, unfortunately got hurt um, and then it was, they got waived and it was just, well, sorry, you got waived there. You got hurt, but good luck. Now what they added, and this was added several, several years ago is an exhibit nine. And what happens with an exhibit nine is the player gets a little something, they essentially get about $6,000, um, when they're waived, if they're waived with an injury. Um, so what happens in an exhibit nine contract is it's a one year deal fully non-guaranteed and what's most important to a lot of these teams it does not count against the cap or the tax at any point now if an exhibit nine player makes the roster out of training camp meaning he's on the opening day roster and this is happening more and more often um in recent years it used to be extremely rare that any one of these summer contract players made um an opening night roster now it's one or two you know per season do it 
then what happens is the contract uh, converts to a standard non-guaranteed contract, and then it begins counting against the cap and the tax. Now, the second add-on, which came not in this new CBA that we're in right now, but the prior one when they added the um, added the uh, gosh the the two-way contracts, is an Exhibit Ten contract. And what happens in an Exhibit Ten contract is that there's really kind of two things with it. It can be one Exhibit Tens can almost always be converted into a two-way contract. Um, so what happens is a team can, um, you know, basically get the player into to a two-way. Um, they work exactly the same where they're non-guaranteed and don't count, um, just like an Exhibit 9 did, but it gets, gets kind of converted into a two-way. They can have both an Exhibit 9 and an Exhibit 10. That is most common when you see an Exhibit 10. It is almost always a, um, a uh, Exhibit 9 is in there as well. Uh, the other option on an Exhibit 10 is teams can give a player a bonus. That bonus is right now, uh, the max is up to 75000 And what that $75,000 um, does is if the player is waived off an Exhibit 10, but then is assigned to the team's G League affiliate. So, for example, the Celtics right now, they just signed a guy named Kylor Kelly. Um, he's a center. He's not going to make the roster. There's no chance. Um, so what they're going to do is they're going to waive him. If he goes to the main Celtics of the G League, so their G League affiliate, and he stays there for at least 60 days this season, he would get his bonus amount, which is probably, if I had to guess, it hasn't dropped fully yet. My guess is it's 75000 um, because that is pretty standard in most of these Exhibit 10s. So what happens is these teams will load up on these guys. And what we're going to see, but much I think to you and I sometimes chagrin, uh, updating uh, salary pages and, and the like, is um, teams do a revolving door of guys on these Exhibit 10 contracts where they, they, they may you know, sometimes run through four or five different guys. And then they end up uh, doing this just basically to say, hey, come play for our G League team. One good way to know one of these might be coming uh, is if a team trades for the G League rights in the G League to a player. Um, for example, Boston, again, with Kelly, they traded for his G League rights just about a week or so ago. It, that's generally a pretty good sign that players probably going to get an Exhibit 10. They're going to get that little bonus, so then they report. It's just a way for teams to kind of really beef up their um, G League squads with players they have an interest of continuing to have a relationship with. They have no ties to the NBA organization after they're 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 waived from from an Exhibit Ten. Um, that is not not a thing. Um, with that, so that that is you know one one thing to to note there. One other thing with an Exhibit Ten is if you do convert a player to a two way contract off an Exhibit Ten, so the player is uh, we want to keep them, but we're going to put them on a two way. You can then later convert that two-way contract back to a standard contract. It just can't go back to an Exhibit 10. It would go back to a true standard contract. And we see that every once in a while happen. When they're when they're waived, do if they signed again next season, does it go from non-bird to early bird? Do they retain those rights? Or because it's nope. a special Exhibit 9 and 10, the rights just go by the wayside? Exactly, yeah. Unless they went into a... Um, position where they were uh, in, in a, uh, how do I phrase this? Unless they were in a position where they were on a standard contract with the team, 
uh, to end their their year, yeah, they're not going to accrue uh, those rights. Um, or or if they you know converted to a two way and ended, um, they, they would then have whatever the appropriate rights were. But if they're straight waived, um, and then sign the next year in the exhibit 10 they, they they're not coming in as like a second year guy uh with those teams that, that's a slightly different process gotcha all right keith looking forward to that deep dive right up on exhibit nine and ten contracts the nba atlantic division as i said is posted outside of the other three divisional rotation and roster questions that will be coming here this week what else can we expect from you yeah, um, we're going to do a Drew Holiday next contract series because he is uh, going to uh, reportedly look at an extension with the Celtics at some point. He's not, depending how much he was to sign for, he's not really eligible right now. At the moment, that's a, a loophole. They kind of closed on these trade and then extend and all this other stuff. And, and those, so the, those are, um, the, the, there's timing that'll have to be worked out, but it's just a matter of waiting a little bit. Uh, so we'll see, you know, if he, he does that. So we're going to lay out kind of what is all, all his different options are. And he's an interesting one because of his age, there's also some over 38 components and the like that factor in here. He has a player option for next year. So he's got a lot of different, uh, things that he can do. Um, with with a new contract and we're we're we'll, we'll be getting deeper into those but yeah right now we've got that exhibit nine ten explainer coming out the final uh three uh rotation of roster questions uh for the divisions we'll see maybe some of these teams will answer a couple of those for me and i'll have to pick new ones uh before before before, before we get them posted here but yeah and then keep an eye on our salary pages over on spot track this is is though even though the vast majority of the guys being signed right now probably maybe never factor in the NBA. Um, it still keeps you and I hopping with getting everything updated. We try to keep everything as current as possible. Full disclosure, sometimes some of these teams, they may sign and wave a guy you know, in the morning and then sign and wave another guy in the afternoon. And you know, it's not always possible to catch every single one of these, but we will eventually catch up and get them all, all uh, captured and go from there. There's not going to be a transaction that goes by that we'll miss. Um, it's just you know, a matter of how quickly these teams move and quite frankly, how quickly it hits the uh, uh, various transaction wires or reported on. Yeah. 100%. This is the year. This is the time of the year in the NBA where uh, you know, you may see a transaction hit a, a day or two later just because it fell by the wayside. So we will uh, effort through all of those transactions. Keith, thanks for all the work this week and looking forward to the articles that we'll be posting all week and into next week as well. Uh, if you're looking to ask questions at Keith Smith NBA on X Twitter, whatever we're still referring to that now <laughs> as. And Keith, look forward to next week. Have a great one. For Keith Smith, I am Scott Allen. Thanks for listening to the NBA Next Podcast.